So welcome back to another exciting Backroads podcast coming at you. We've got a 2022 girls state champion. Boys are headed to state and yes, track and field. Before we get started, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Hard to believe basketball is one week from being over, Bobby, and we just crowned a girls 2022 state champion, and it's not a surprise to anybody. No, you're right about that. I mean, looking ahead, in about a week, everybody's going to be on spring break or thinking about spring break. That's a scary thought. Spring break already. It just seems like we ended football just a couple of weeks ago, and yet we're crowning a girls champion. Spring break's right around the corner, and Mother Nature in the Texas Panhandle and the South Plains has no clue what it's doing. No, I'm pretty sure the weather is bipolar. Yesterday it was, what, 75, 80 almost, and today it was freezing rain this morning, so I don't know what's going on anymore. So, so for those of you further down in the uh, state, just be glad you don't live in the Panhandle or the, or the South Plains because Mother Nature just cannot decide what season it is. That is true. I mean, just wait five minutes. That's so true up here. It very much is. Well, let's get to it. Girls uh, State Tournament going on. Uh, everything began Thursday with the uh, semifinals. And in the semifinals, we had Robert Lee taking down Netches 46 to 44 in a really good close game. That was a great game. I was back and forth. I really didn't know who was going to come out on top in that one. One thing that um, surprised me was, you know, Netches has a lot of freshmen. They are very young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had found out between the last time we did this podcast that in the region four final game, they scored 64 points. And of those 64, 60 were scored by freshmen. That's amazing. It really is amazing. A little scary. Oh, and I did say the wrong name. It's not Seely Harris from Netches. It's Seely Hines. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, so you were close. You got half of it. I did. Very, very close. And then in the, the other game there in the semifinals, no surprise here, Sands takes out Huckabee 56 to 29, which we kind of expected that one to happen. And Sands showing that they were worthy to make the state finals. Yeah, they had how many? steals like there were 32 turnovers and it was exactly. in a, like a few minutes i mean it was ridiculous yes no it, it was a crazy a set of events there and, and it really set up the state finals game uh which we'll talk about now sands taking out robert lee 60 to 33 so many things you could talk about with this game to me the biggest one is sands forced robert lee into 36 turnovers you and I talked about this when we watched the uh, Region 1-1A tournament going on in the semifinals and the finals. It is just so hard for teams to handle the speed that comes at them. Alyssa Martinez, Landry Morrow are so fast, but then you got Bianca Plata. You got Porus. There's other members there, and they're just almost as fast. It just makes it so difficult uh, to go up against this Sands Lady Stangs team. It really does. And if you're not used to defense in your shorts defense, I mean, not only are they fast, but they play good sound defense. That's, I mean, just perfect fundamentals, perfect fundamentals. Exactly. So Alyssa Martinez becomes the tourney MVP and she gets a double double. And I'm going to tell you, she scored 22 points. 
Tell me how many rebounds she had. Come on, Bobby, go ahead. In that part of the double double? Yeah, no. No. 22 points, 10 steals. I don't know that I've seen that in a long time. Right. And in the championship game at that, like again, her quickness, her, you know, the the fast pace that the Lady Mustangs play at, it was just incredible to watch. It's a beautiful thing, really, if you if you think about it. Not if you're the other team, (laughs) but as a fan, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Well, and her performance overshadowed what to us most likely would have been a tourney MVP uh, performance turned in by Landry Morrow. 20 points, six rebounds, four steals. 99 out of 100 games, that gets you the tournament MVP. Right. And uh, I would have hated to have been the people voting on that. But, you know, in the past, when I went to the state tournament, all the media is asked about their MVP by halftime. So that explains a lot because I don't think Landry got going really well until the second half. But then you look over there on the other side and look at Braley Hood, what she did. Yeah, double-double there for Braley Hood from Robert Lee as well. 14 points and 12 rebounds. Yeah, so, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. No. (laughs) She says, what more do you want me to do? (laughs) Yeah. um, Unfortunately, Robert Lee ran into a buzzsaw. That was the Sands Lady Mustangs. But congratulations to those Lady Mustangs. This is their first state championship in basketball ever. That is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. And let's talk about the all-tournament state team real quick. No surprise, Alyssa Martinez, Landry Morrow, they're both on there. Of course, Martinez, the MVP, Braley Hood, we talked about her, the senior out of Robert Lee. And then uh, Tiffany Metter from Huckabee, a senior. And you talked about Celia Hines from Natchez, a freshman on the all-tournament team as well. Yes, that's, I'm telling you folks, that, that Natchez team, it's a little scary coming up here in the next few years. I mean, because they're, they're going to get them all back. Yes, no, they definitely will. And so Netches will be a team to look out for. And, uh, you know, boy, it'll just be fun to watch next year to see how things play out uh, and which teams, you know, can really step forward. I think Sands, as long as Martinez is still there, she was just a junior. They're going to be really good. Um, you know, do they lose a little bit with Landry Morrow going out? Probably so. You know, what are the other teams across the state that might step up there? I know that Nazareth's got a really strong freshman class coming in. Um, and that's a team that made the regional finals. So they're always there. That's going to be a team to watch out for. It'll be fun to watch. And we see this every year. Who can step into that role? You know, Sands is a team that's been building on this year after year after year. Finally cash in and get a state title. Who potentially is the Sands next year? That'll be fun to watch. Yeah, it's always up in the air. Some of the teams like Nazareth, who are uh, perennial powerhouses, they do well because they play higher classifications and sometimes much higher like up to five and six a they get that uh, good challenge and play from other classifications that maybe some other 1a teams don't um, you know there's going to be a lot to to look for yeah most definitely and I, I like that strategy and you see more teams in 1a doing that you see it a lot on the boys side and now we're starting to see more of the girls teams do it yeah, and you know, when you talk about that and you go back to football, remember we interviewed Homer Matlock there at Westbrook. He talked about putting together this really tough schedule. Now, obviously, you can't play up, but he wanted to put together as tough a schedule as he could put together 
to test his team. And that's, I think, what more and more girls teams at 1A are, are starting to do is saying, I've got to be ready if I'm going to compete with the Sands of the world, if, if I'm going to compete with the Netches, with Nazareth, if I'm going to compete with those teams, I've got to play the best so that when we get in those uh, challenges there late in the season, my team knows how to handle it. That's exactly right. And that brings to mind something funny I saw. Uh, Sands posted, or maybe it was Pete Christie up here in the panhandle, posted, uh, you know, friendship, Lubbock, you know, out there in Wolforth, outside of Lubbock, they're 6A. Sands beat them this season. And so once they won state, the friendship girls made a TikTok about <laughs> Uh, you know, congratulating them because, you know, they couldn't, they still couldn't believe that a 1A team had beaten them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cute video. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. So there is your girls, uh, 2021, 2022. I hate when we do that to me, it's just 2022 state champion. That is the Sands Lady Stangs. Uh, congratulations to them. Their first ever state title. Let's switch over to the boys and uh, we've got four teams headed to state, and we'll begin in the uh, region where you were at, and that is in Region 1. Finals there. Text line takes out Jayton 52-34. to 34. No surprise, and I knew, and it was this way for three-quarters. Jayton gave text line everything they wanted in this ballgame. They did. They, I mean, excuse me, but they gave them hell, especially those first two quarters. And then, you know, Jayton's young. They lose one kid off of that team, so we'll have to be watching for them the next few years. But, yeah, Texline was getting frustrated that first half, and then Coach Beckner settled them down. The one thing that I thought was very incredible about that game is Will Luther picked up his fourth personal foul with a minute 23 left in the third quarter, and he did not foul out. Talk about significant control over yourself as a player. That was incredible. Yeah, most definitely there. And, you know, when you talk about this text line team, Willie Luther, 13 points, 13 rebounds, a double-double for him. That's kind of his standard. But really, 13 points is, is under his average by quite a bit. And, you know, you talked about it, how Jaden, you felt like, did a pretty good job of taking Luther out of the scoring attack for text line. That's the problem with text line. When you pull him out, you still got Noel Lozano. Lozano goes off for 22 points and 10 rebounds. I think that's what makes this text line team so difficult. If you take out Luther, Lozano's going to hurt you. If you take out Lozano, Luther's going to hurt you. If somehow you can figure out a way to take both of those out, they've still got scoring threats. That, to me, is what makes them really dangerous as they go to state. They'll be making their, four, their fourth appearance in the uh, state tournament. They've been there in 2013, 2015, and, of course, last year in 2013. 21 they won it both in 2015 and 2021 and looking to make it back-to-back -back state championships uh here coming out of region one so do you think they can do it i do as I do. long as they play text line ball i think they can do it i i do too and you know we'll get to that here in just a little bit but text line is definitely something to behold i'm telling you i mean i don't want to make it sound hopeless for anybody but the control they have during a game is just incredible. They're a very difficult matchup at the 1A level. They really are. Yes, yeah. that's, that's an appropriate um, evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them enough. Trust me, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're in your district. Lucky, happy. 
Yeah, yeah. So lucky. Nothing like making a, a three-hour trip to go uh, get your brains beat in. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to Region Two, and you know, Region Two is one of those that we just could not figure out for sure who was going to come out of there. Was it going to be Erion County? Was it going to be Hermley? Was it going to be Eula? Electra. I liked Electra. End of the day, the team that you thought would be there is there, and that is Erion County. They take a take out Hermley, sixty-eight to thirty-seven. What's interesting about this is Hermley put a beating on their opponent in the semifinals, and I texted you and said, maybe we underestimated Hermley, but then they kind of laid an egg in the regional finals, or is Erion County that good? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, talking, I haven't talked to Coach Winters lately or since, let's see, Friday night. I talked to him after that, that beating they, they put on. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if they got in foul trouble or they just, I mean, sometimes you get in those finals games and if you haven't been that far ever, like Hermely, you know, the nerves will get the best of you and you can't hit the backside of a barn. (laughs) I mean, that could have been an issue. I don't know. I'm speculating at this point, but um, I intend to find out. I'll ask him. He's, he's usually pretty forthcoming uh, when I ask, but um, yeah, I think we did underestimate Hermley. I really do. No, I, I think we did. And, you know, all playoffs, you've been talking about Erion County, and you nailed that one. They move on to the state uh, tournament, and so many things to go over here. So when we talk about that Erion County-Hermley game. Jordan Harrison, 19 points. Trevin Cofell, 18 points. He was the tournament MVP there for them. So now Erion County moves into the state semifinals. This will be their first state appearance since 1961. It's actually just like Sands, same year, first semifinal appearance, because in 60 and 61, they allowed teams all the way from the quarters on up to go to the state tournament. And this is pretty cool. Their head coach, John Morrow, he played at state as a junior while playing for Bront, and now he's back as a coach. Uh, that's got to be extremely exciting for the Hornets coming out of region two. You know, they were all pretty even as far as basketball ability, but Erion County just has a few more weapons than the other teams. And that's why I had, I had initially said that they would come out of region two into the state tournament. Well, you got that one right there. So let's move on to region three. And uh, this is the only region we're still waiting on a winner. Grayford and Dodge City, it's halftime, and Grayford is up 30 to 27 <laughs> over Dodge City. Oh, wait, wait, that's a final, isn't it? I yes. don't score twice. And, you know, especially in 1A, especially if you get to a defensive battle, you're used to lowering, lower scoring totals. 30 to 27, though, that is definitely a defensive battle. Grayford wins it there. They now are making their eighth trip to state. And this is what I find interesting. Eighth trip to state, Grayford has never won it, and they've only been in the finals one time in seven previous appearances before this one coming up in their eighth trip. That is crazy to get there that many times and really never even sniff a state title. Yeah, it is, but you know this might be the year. It It could be for those Grayford Jackrabbits. I watched the regional semifinal game. And Grayford does play very well together. They are a really good team unit. They play uh, very good defense. They are very fundamentally sound. And they ran up against a Dodd City team that is much like them. 
I think that's why that score is so low. But um, we'll see what Grayford's got to give. I believe they play Calvert. That's going to be interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. But good luck to the Grayford Jackrabbits. Love the mascot. You, you got to love any mascot that's a jackrabbit. You know, yeah, fast, quick. It's just fitting. It, it really, really is. It really is. <laughs> especially especially in the, you know, geographic location where, where Grayford sits. So, yeah. So let's move on to Region 4. And you mentioned Calvert. Calvert wins it over Run TMC, McMullen County, 52 to 46. You and I both watched this game online, watched the, fa the uh, Facebook feed. And it was a very interesting game because Calvert comes out hot. And I just kept waiting for them. And I thought there, especially, you know, late second quarter, beginning, middle, midway through the third quarter, that they had all but buried McMullen County. And yet McMullen County kept chipping away, chipping they away, did. chipping away. And you look up and they're right there at the end. But give Calvert a lot of credit. They hung tough and they pull out the victory in this one, 52 to 46. MJ Thomas, 25 points. Cavandre Corona, 12 points. Calvert now making their fifth trip to state. And uh, they have been there in 93, 95, 12, and 15, pulling out a state championship once in those four other appearances. Yeah, see, so I, like you said, we both watched that game. I mean, I have to tell you, McMullen County, they call themselves Run TMC. They definitely do that. Um, Dency was there and Michael was there. They were broadcasting and taking pictures. And Dency <laughs> described McMullen County as spider monkeys. She said they're <laughs> just everywhere. Every time you look up, there's one right there. And I enjoyed watching that so much. I think it frustrated Calvert in the first half. Uh, because, you know, normally teams from the East aren't used to seeing that type of full court defense. And let me tell you, McMullen County is, has perfected it. But Calvert, their size just, it just killed McMullen County. I mean, when you got six, seven MJ Thomas, you can feed it down in there. And then you have uh, Corona and you have uh, Caden, you know, I, there's just too many weapons, too many weapons. No, there definitely is. And it was interesting because as I watched that game, the times that McMullen County could really push the pace and get running is when they started chipping away. I thought Calvert did an excellent job of keeping the game in check, keeping the score where I think they really wanted it. And that was at 50 or below that fared well for Calvert. If this game, I think gets into the sixties and the seventies, I think McMullen County pulls it out, but uh, credit to uh, Coach Thomas there at Calvert. He kept the pace down, and I think that was the difference in them pulling out the victory over the uh, running Cowboys McMullen County. Yeah, they did control the pace of that game, uh, which is huge, as you and I know. So now we've got the state tournament coming up beginning on a Thursday, the 8-30 game, Calvert and Grayford. That will be a fascinating matchup because that's two teams that want to slow it down, Pay, play at their own pace and you just wonder how that one will go and then the uh, next game at 10 o'clock text line in Erion County and you know if you're Erion County the thing is going to be this is your first semifinal appearance ever in school history you can't get there and look up and go oh my look at text line 
they're going to have to play their game to be able to compete with the Tornadoes. Oh, I think anyone, any of those three are going to have to play really, really well to beat Texlon. You know, like we've talked about, they just, they just, those kids know basketball. They understand it. There's no seeing it any <laughs> other way. I mean, it, you can't really explain it if you, until you watch them. They have complete control almost at every moment of the game. One thing that uh, I expect to see is, you know, with these matchups, they have, they play very different styles of basketball. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see how they, they match up. Yeah. So that should be interesting. 830 Calvert and Grayford, Jackrabbits and Trojans doing battle. And then uh, in the, uh, I like to call it the nightcap, the second half, uh, they're in the actual morning. I guess you call it a morning cap, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that game starts at 10 o'clock. It is the Tornadoes and the Hornets out of Erion County. So um, once that one's over with, we will have state champions for 2021-2022. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, You know, you and I talked about the outset. I think Line is the heavy favorites in this one. If Calvert, I think of all the other three teams that are there, I think Calvert could potentially uh, have the ability to match up best with Texline and give them some trouble. I just think it's going to be really tough for anybody to beat the Tornadoes here in the finals. Right. I keep thinking of, um, you know, Lozano and MJ Thomas matchup. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? Oh, my goodness. That is, that, that is some meat down in the paint really doing some battle. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect description of it, man. It's going to be great. The state semifinals and the state finals will be broadcast on NFHS. Hopefully, they got the kinks worked out with the girls' tournament. There were a few issues depending on where you were located. I encourage everyone to tune in because that's going to be a fabulous 1A boys state tournament. It definitely will, and, and and you're right. Hopefully, an FHS has got things. I watched most of the tournament on Friday and Saturday, and didn't have any issues. Uh, I could tell you a lot of issues I have with their broadcast, but in general, you were able to see the presentation. And based on years past, that's better than what we've normally seen. So uh, good to see that maybe they've got those uh, kinks ironed out, and everybody can tune into that. I love that <laughs> when you can get better. Yes, that's exactly. what we all strive to do, right? Yes, yes. None of us are perfect. No, we might think we are, but we're not. No, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of spring, and we talked about how Mother Nature is, uh, I don't know uh, what Mother Nature's problem is right now up here in the Texas Panhandle South Plains, but when you talk about this time of the year, it is hard to believe it's already time for spring sports, track and field, tennis, golf. All baseball, softball, all kicking off. And uh, I know that uh, near and dear to Miss Bobby Brown's heart is track and field. Yes. And um, this, this last few four days have been quite busy. Uh, we had a ton of track meets this past week. Um, some of that I'm still looking for. So if you went to a track meet and you would like to see if I have it on my list or not, you can go to uh, 1afan.com to sports and then choose track and field. You'll see my Excel spreadsheet. Oh, I know, gasp. <laughs> You're so surprised. A spreadsheet 
of the track meet list that I have and any of the results I receive. And if I'm missing any, which I am, I'm missing several. Um, they'll be highlighted yellow. Some of them have been emailed by the coaches. Thank you coaches for emailing those. I appreciate it very much because it makes my search a lot easier. But right now I'm waiting on several that happened on Thursday and Friday. And so what happens is the towns who host the track meets are not necessarily 1A schools because the majority of 1A schools are really quick about getting their results out to coaches. Other schools that aren't 1A are not really great about that. So in the past, we have pushed out the top five in each region and the top five in state on Monday. Well, this year, so that I can make sure every kid is on the top five that deserves to be on the top five, I'm not going to push that out until Tuesday because that gives those non-1A track meet host schools all of Monday to get their results to the coaches. And I know 1A coaches will be sending them to me. So we're not accounting for 1A we are counting for other A's. We know that one A is going to take care of business. It's all the other A's we have to worry about. That's right. And like I said, if you think that maybe we don't have your results or we don't know that your team went to a track meet, you can always look at that track spreadsheet. It's called track meet list and results received. I always put a date and a time that I put it up there and it's out on 1afan.com go take a gander at it and let me know if you have official results for me. Also, again, I'm going to remind you the top five on that website page. Also, we have how it works. So it kind of explains exactly what I do. I, I have to laugh because usually during track season, we'll get a host like a 1A school that hosts and because I do these by region, it gets a little difficult because they might have schools from three or three regions. I had two track meets like that yesterday. So then if you see a mistake, someone ended up on a different region than they're actually in, let me know. You know, these are late night things that I have to do when I wasn't doing basketball this weekend. So <laughs> be gentle, please be gentle. I didn't do it on purpose. Um, and, and, and one more reminder, when we talk about uh, getting in the, the standings um, and, and the official results, we need the official results. <laughs> as much as we know what our kid ran, and as parents, we all do. Trust me, I'm that parent. Got two kids in high school. I completely understand, and you want your kid to get that notoriety. The official results are the only thing that matters. So, Regardless of what you time them in the stands or what they announced at the track meet, if we don't get the official results, quote unquote, we can't use those until we have the official results from the track meet. Exactly. And, and as an example of that, from two separate coaches, I was texted uh, some, some results from a track meet and I'm not putting those in. And so I asked for the official track results because I feel like that is fair to everyone. They're coming from official track results. So I'm not just taking it off a of text, even though it's the head track coach. I know maybe that's me being difficult, 
that's pretty fair across the board. No, it is. And, and, and I think that's the right way to do it. And it keeps everybody on par because we all know it. end of the day, 99 times out of 100, exactly what you get is exactly what happened. And, and there's no questions about it. But we also know sometimes a coach might turn something in. And the next thing you know, you get a text and he says, why, why, why is John Doe, why do you have him down running a, a 10-100? He ran an 11-1. Well, I got it from the coach. Well, that's why the official results are so important. Right. And then on the other side of that, you also have some track hosts who miss time events. Um, I heard from one coach that went to track meet this last weekend, I guess it was Friday, that times were off by sometimes as much as 16 seconds in the relays. Wow. That's a lot. Yes. But when that happens, what is cool is if you don't make the top five, if you're running really well, guess what? You're going to appear the next week. Most definitely. You will. Most definitely. Okay. So I thought I'd go over a few of the top times, throws, jumps in each region with girls and boys. Uh, one cool thing is something that surprised me is right out of the gate, there are some really incredible track results week one I mean for us week one and I was pretty shocked at some of them so I'm going to highlight some of them I'm sure you'll see some of those appear in the top five in the region and the state when it comes out on Tuesday it'll come out Tuesday around noon time okay so let's start in region one guess what from Spring Lake Earth the tiny little Tatum Goodwin let me tell you Goodman is really good. <laughs> that, that is an understatement. <laughs> it is. And this past weekend, she ran the 800 and the mile. And in the 800, she posted a time of two minutes, 16 seconds. Mm. That's crazy. Week it one, is. Week one, right out of the gate. Her mile was five minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a little crazy. And then you look over here. Um, I know everybody loves the relays. Uh, Follette is currently sitting in the top space in region one with a time of 5480 in the 300 hurdles. And Taylor Piper from Paducah posted a time of 5317. We've got some really good times over in region one. Uh, before I get to region two, let me just say, um, for a while now, many of us jokingly refer to region two as the region of death. <laughs> <laughs> because so many teams and kids in region two are in the top five in the state. And guess what? Only two can go to state. <laughs> so you've got some uh, top time kids that that may not go to state simply because of the region and they are in over in region two sitting in the sprint relay number one position is cross plains currently with the 53.53 but guess what rotan and roby are just right there with them with the 5380 and a 5390 blackwell has a 5390 
there's four teams where hundreds of a second separate them. That's crazy. That is crazy. Week and one. a very competitive, yeah, very competitive region two. Yes. Can you imagine? Oof. And most of the time I'm not, you know, I've done these for the last, what, six, seven years. Uh, it's really nice to see some, some kids up here and teams up here that I haven't seen in a while, like Rotan, Roby, and Knox City. Knox City comes in right there at, at number four, since Roby and Blackwell have the same time in that event. But then you look over, and this is incredible. Sterling City girls sit number one in the mile relay, uh, almost seven seconds ahead of number two Westbrook. Uh, Sterling City posted time in the mile relay of four minutes, 33 seconds. Which might explain why Sterling City, uh, the Lady Eagles, had such a competitive basketball team as well. It, it, you know, it could, uh, you know, some of these teams just finished playing basketball, not even what a week ago, week and a half, maybe two weeks. And they're posting times like this in track. It kind of makes me wonder if they've been tra practicing track on the side <laughs> <laughs> or if they're just that fast looking over here. And we haven't talked about this, but hurdles, 100 hurdles, Allie Scott from Moran posted a time of 17.20. And in the 300 hurdles, Addison Long from Cross Plains, 52.76. Wow. You look across here and, you know, there's some really good, fast and big jumpers. Aaliyah Harrison from Very Best, her long jump. And, you know, Very Best is in the playoffs in basketball. Yes. Way late to the playoffs. Her first track meet, it looks like she posted a long jump of 16 feet and five inches. Going on over to region three, Bluffdale sitting in the number one sprint relay spot with a time of 56.98. Uh, one thing about region three is usually a lot of good high jumpers come out of that region, if you haven't noticed that. Um, usually they're from Aquila. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe she, she you know, she um, graduated. I wrote her name in these spreadsheets for four years. She was awesome. But Brissa Ball, she had a, there's two. Brissa Ball from Cherokee and Rianne Hurst from Pretty both had a high jump of 4.8. So I expect that to go up by leaps and bounds. Then you look over here, Sydney Parton from Pretty posted a 5.52 mile and a 12.55 two-mile. Region 4. Can't forget about Region 4. And you know what's funny is I. it seems like Region 4 doesn't really post track stuff a lot, so I'm constantly pestering coaches and looking for stuff. But let me tell you, looking through this spreadsheet in the top five, I have several girls from Hubbard here and they actually have the number one spot in the sprint relay and the four by 200 relay. 54.87 in the sprint relay and a two minutes, two seconds in the four by 200. Medina is currently in first in the mile relay with the 447. And then Jenna Morris from Hubbard. I have typed that name many times over the years. 39.9 and a half in the triple jump. A town that rarely gets any notoriety, but in track, they're pretty darn good. Salissa Gonzalez from La Serra. 
She ran a 543 in the mile. Also, remember us talking about the name Exiomara? Yes. Okay. Well, she posted a better discus throw this week with 119 feet and seven inches. That's Great. that's that's heaving it pretty far. That is further than I can throw it. I can promise you that. Oh, you're not the only one. So <laughs> she's also first in the shot put with 34 feet, eight and a half inches. So let's go over to the boys. Boys is where it gets really crazy because there's someone named Brandon Passman from Guthrie. Who? I've not, I've never heard that name before in class A. Yes. Well, he tried his hand at the 800 and did very well. Brandon Passman from Guthrie ran the 800 in two minutes, six seconds. In the mile, he posted, get this, Craig, four minutes, 29 seconds. That's my, usually my time for the 800. <laughs> That's my time for the 200, <laughs> if we're going to go that far. The thing, let's see, Claude, Javon Lee, he had a 510 high jump, as did Hayden Thompson of Miami. Damon yes. Keeler from Groom, 5'10". And, well, you know. That's impressive because Damon Keeler might be 5'6". Maybe. I know. That is very impressive. So when I saw Damon's name, I was uh, very happy to type it in there. Uh, and the hurdles, 300 hurdles, of course, from Garden City. Sebastian Balcazar. Is that name familiar to you? It is. He can run a football pretty well. Well, he can also run 300 hurdles. He posted a time of 43.52. Over in Region 2, of course, the region of death. Rankin sits number one in the sprint relay with a 45.22 right out yeah. of the gate. Yes. And, you know, they just finished playing ba playoff basketball. Was it even a week ago? Week and a half, maybe? Maybe. Well, Rankin's littered all over this spreadsheet. They currently hold the number one spot in the sprint relay and in the mile relay with a time of 343.15. This name rings a bell. Avery Williford. Um, a, a hitting machine, Avery Williford. Yes. May Tiger. Telling you, that boy can play some football. He can also run a 200 meter. That's that, scary. It, it's very scary. <laughs> He's currently sitting in the number one spot with a time of 23.50 seconds. Then we come down and we have a Westbrook Wildcat in the number one spot for the two mile. And that's Andrew Crucis. He posted a time of 12 minutes, four seconds. And here's another name that you might be um, familiar with. Shama Stark. From Westbrook, the boy can high jump. Athletic individual. He really is. First rattle out of the box, six foot in the high jump. Then you have Colton Jenkins from Rankin. Triple jump, 40 feet, two and a fourth inches. Some of these times are a little crazy. I haven't seen them this low or high or whatever you want to say in a very long time. Oh, guess what? I just saw. Avery Williford, he can also throw a discus, 122 feet. Well, he just pretends it's an opposing quarterback and chunks it out there. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Over in Region 3, let's stay with the discus. Joseph Bond from Cherokee threw the discus 123 feet and three and three-fourths inches. Very happy to report that Troy Shelton from Mullen ran a 24.12200. A kid from Cherokee, Gunner Ball. He's almost up there with Shama Stark. He posted a height of 510 in the high jump. Currently in Region 3 of the results I have received, Union Hill is sitting first in the sprint relay with a time of 49.24. And Rochelle, you know, they have a lot of young athletes. Rochelle posted a time of 1 minute 42 seconds in the 4 by 200 relay. Then we look over at Region 4. There's lots of speed over in Region 4 as well. Let's start with the non-speed event. Well, I guess it is speedy. Two mile. It used to not be a speed event, but it seems like as the years has gone by, people sprint the two mile. Yeah, it, it is. It has went from, okay, everybody run at a certain pace, and then in the uh, final lap, everybody give it your all. No, it's everybody give it your all for eight laps. Yeah, it, it, it makes me exhausted just thinking about it but Nathan Forrest of Jonesboro posted a time of 12 minutes and 12 seconds in the two mile then we have Joe Preston from Medina in the mile with a 518.26 over in the 110 hurdles we have Blake Allen from Cranfels Gap also in the 300 hurdles he's sitting in the number one spot so far and then over on the boys sprint relay oakwood currently holds the number one spot with a time of 46.65 while hubbard is in the number one spot for the mile relay with a time of four minutes three seconds got a lot of good athletes all across the state of texas again i've been scouring all kinds of track meets and results to get these in i'm still lacking a few hopefully i will get them before tuesday hopefully so and uh, you know as we move through the spring uh, it'll be fun to watch that get uh, that board get filled in more and more and really watch those times or distances go down or up whatever the case may be needed to uh, show up there on the top five so that'll be fun to watch everybody loves the top five that you put out there for both the region and the state so that that will be a lot of fun to watch so we'll have that for you coming up uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, the best we can do, we will get you some tennis and golf results. A little bit harder to get those. It um, is. As, as well as start looking at uh, some baseball and softball. So, uh, so much going on in the spring sports. And it's amazing how many of these kids play more than one spring sport. Well, not only that, but, you know, you've also got this time period. You've also got one-act play. I know a lot of one act plays have already gone through the district certification process and they're going on to buy district or area. Um, I think it depends on how many are in your district, I believe. We'll be reporting on that. So if you have one act play results and I'll post this on our Facebook page, uh, you know, send us a picture of your, your one act play casting crew. You know, everybody gets that picture. We all like to hear about it. We also like to see what play are you doing? Let us know. And then we also have UIL academics that are coming fast and furious. I know the debate 
state debate takes place over spring break in mm. two weeks. So much going on at the class 1A level, and, and we talk about it all the time. The number of kids doing multiple things during the spring is it's just it really is crazy and it is it's really cool because it's just not something you see a whole lot of as you move higher in the classifications here in the state of Texas. That is so very true. And you know, the one cool thing about 1A is I just think that 1A is the best. Of course, that's a given, but I'll tell you why. It's because we have very few kids who are coming through those doors into school every day. And so that population of kids that's what you have. And you work with them on any type of sport, on any type of activity, be it academics, cheerleading, band, anything like that. And they all do multiple things in the school because, you know, in 1A, if everybody doesn't do everything, you really don't have a team. <laughs> no, you definitely do not. One thing that I'm going to announce that I would love to say congratulations we give out a golden spirit stick every year to the cheerleading squad that during football season that impresses us the most. This year's winner are the cheerleaders from Klondike. Oh, wow. Congratulations to the Klondike cheerleaders that we have pictures. I plan on posting those later today and it's up on our website. If you look under the zone, on 1afan.com you'll see contests and you'll see the golden spirit stick and so we've given away several years not all of the pictures are on there because um, sometimes we get busy when this is given out because again it's during the springtime and we just don't get pictures congratulations to the klondike cheerleaders they did an outstanding job during football season and this is a notice to all you cheerleading squads out there in the fall, we'll be looking again. I think we're going to expand on the contest and perhaps have everyone send in a video to see who is the best cheerleading squad. That's awesome. That is awesome. So congratulations to Klondike, uh, full of a lot of cougar pride there in Klondike. Definitely. Well, Bobby, so much to talk about. Basketball wrapping up, spring sports kicking off. We'll be back on with you next Sunday with the Backroads Podcast. And then after that, we're going to go every two weeks as uh, things kind of get more spread out. It's a little harder to get things, a little more uh, uh, stuff to talk about. But uh, we'll we'll drop in uh, on your favorite podcasting uh, spot and uh, fill you in on everything in Class 1A every other week. Uh, track, tennis, golf, baseball, softball, one-act play, UIL, you name it, from the 1A world, we're going to bring it to you. But until then, we'll see you next Sunday. We will have a uh, state champion in boys' basketball, and we'll get everybody set up, uh, getting ready to look forward to a spring break. We're all happy for that. Oh, but until, yes. Yeah, most definitely. Until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressFastSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Remember, go forward and do good.